it's, you know, some people will tell you personal brand is all about consistency. You know, you need to put out the podcast at the same hour of the same day, every single week to build an audience. Like maybe if that's your full-time gig, but if you're just doing it to, as, as like a creative outlet, what's more important is to do the work every day, every week. But what you actually share publicly is up to you. You're your own editor. So yeah, I would just say, take some pressure off yourself. Welcome to another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel and this is a podcast for the geospatial community. Today's guest is a familiar voice. If you've listened to the previous podcast episode, you might know him. His name is Joe Morrison. And this show is going to be a little bit different. This episode is going to be a little bit different. It's the tail end of a longer conversation I had with Joe. Uh, The first half of the conversation was around satellite data, why it's not a commodity, that is the previous podcast episode to this one. It's well worth checking out if you haven't already. And then towards the end of the, end of the conversation, we sort of headed off on a bit of a tangent. We started talking about personal branding. And I've been looking for somebody to explore this topic with on the podcast for quite some time now. And when the opportunity arose to have a, a pretty candid conversation with Joe around the topic, I jumped at it. The reason why... I wanted someone like Joe to talk about the topic and not some personal branding expert or some marketing guru is because Joe is people like us. So he is from the geospatial community. He is an active participant in it. And I really admire the way he shows up online. And I think we can learn a lot from Joe's story. So again, this is a bit of a different episode. It's a rather candid conversation around personal branding, around trying things that might not work around showing up online and around finding your voice. This podcast episode is sponsored by Regrid. So Regrid have recently been through a rebrand. They were formerly known as Landgrid, but now it is regrid.com. There'll be a link to this in the show notes. And if you haven't heard of them before, they are one of the leading providers of land parcel and location context data for the entire US. So Regrid does a lot of the heavy lifting, they collect, clean, and stitch together property boundaries into this sort of seamless data fabric for you. So if you are interested in understanding how US land is subdivided, owned, used, inhabited, and networked into economies and ecologies, this would be a really, really great place to start. So that's regrid.com. Jerry, the CEO and co-founder of Regrid, has actually been on the podcast before. If you want to check out that episode, it's called Polygons of Ownership. And he goes into a lot more detail about the history of subdividing land and and what this has meant for for land use and and land ownership and some of the consequences of this. So that's worth checking out. Regrid, formerly known as Landgrid. If you're looking for parcel data for the US, this is the place to go. So Joe, I've been really interested to ask you about your your personal brand. You have an email newsletter, which I absolutely love. I'm a huge fan of it. I think it has just the right amount of edge and insight to make it really interesting. And it it doesn't sound like it was written by a marketing person. It it sounds like it was written by someone who has insight to the industry, but is also sort of being open and honest and saying, here, this is the way I see things. Take it or leave it kind of thing. And I really appreciate that. In, In my mind, anyway, you have a personal brand. I'm wondering if you could tell us how those two things go together. How does your personal brand work with your email newsletter? Do you see them as being the same thing? Are they dependent on each other? And perhaps what it has meant for your career? So I realized that was a lot of questions there, but maybe if you could just take the one you're most interested in talking about it and we could start there. 
I think this question is not asked enough of people because you see it like, you know, you have a personal brand too. Mapscaping is an amazing brand on its own that stands on its own. And people that can build that, that really what you're building is community around. That's what personal brand means to me is like you have a, a group of people that you're talking with all the time that are associated with you that when other people stumble into that community, they suddenly realize like, oh, something's going on here. And we all arrive at it via different means. So for me, like before I would say I thought at all about a personal brand, I thought about a writing voice. That's where I started. And so I was writing publicly on a blog for a couple of years that nobody ever read and nobody knows about. And I, I will not share the link to, but I was writing publicly. No one was reading. It was almost like journaling. <laughs> and that experimentation allowed me to hone my voice a little bit. So even though I didn't have an audience for that writing, it didn't matter because I was writing to try to make myself laugh. That was basically my goal when I sat down to write. Like, can I write a paragraph that has some nugget in it that makes me smile when I read it? And if you read my newsletter, you can pretty well see which paragraphs I probably was laughing while writing. <laughs> it's not every paragraph because I got to mix in some educational content, you know, make it somewhat worthwhile. But once I found that rhythm where I had a personal voice and, you know, sometimes I curse in my writing, sometimes I'm irreverent, sometimes I tell little anecdotes from when I was a kid in rural North Carolina, like raising sheep or, you know, doing weird stuff that my mom and dad had me doing as a kid playing around in the woods. It's not about impressing anybody. It's just about having a point of view and, and being honest about that point of view, where it comes from, how, how you got there. So for me, like, I'm just trying to have fun. Like I'm trying to make myself laugh and I'm writing only for myself. I don't care if nobody else reads it because for many years, I swear to God, nobody else read it. And so now that there's like a little bit of an audience as, as you know, pretentious as that it feels to say, because I really think of it more as like a community of people that I'm talking with more than an audience I'm talking to. But that voice has served me really well because people recognize my writing. Like you can, you can read a piece of my writing without my byline on it. And if you're familiar with me, you're going to know I wrote it. And I don't know how that happened. Well, I know how it happened. I just wrote for many years, just trying to make myself laugh. That's how it happened. But the fact that it resonated with other people is just coincidence. Like it's just luck. So humor is definitely a big piece of what I focus on because that's how I have fun. I like to laugh and it doesn't necessarily come through on podcasts like this because I find I get so serious when I'm talking about work on podcasts, but in my writing, I can have a little bit more fun and that's pretty much it. I mean, that's, that's what I would say if I have any sort of personal brand, it's that I never, I'm never selling anything and I'm trying to speak truth to power and I'm trying to have fun doing it. I mean, that's, that's basically it. I did invest a little bit, like I spent $15 on Fiverr to have an artist draw me. So <laughs> I have like my avatar on Twitter is not a picture of me. It's like a drawing of me. And that was just like, I just wanted to stand out a little bit, have some sort of, you know, cool art that went along with my writing and my web presence. And so, you know, it, 15 bucks well spent, in my opinion. Now, if, if you see me in your Twitter feed, like you instantly recognize as a tweet from me because there's this colorful, drawing that appears instead of some, you know, frumpy photo of me. So yeah, I, I would say if I could give advice to people, 
if you're not a funny person or humorous person, don't try to be funny. If you're just try to be you, like what, whatever, write so that you, you eventually over years can get to the point where you can write a thousand words that you enjoy reading. Like that's the whole goal. And maybe it's not writing, maybe it's editing video, maybe it's running a podcast like this, but I would bet that you enjoy listening to your own podcasts. I mean, not right after you're done editing them, you're probably sick of them at that point. But if you go back and listen to something that you recorded six months ago, you probably enjoy listening to it. That's the litmus test. If you can do that, you'll build a personal brand almost by accident. A couple of things stood out for me there. And one of this is this focus you have on your voice. You know, a lot of people talk about finding their voice. You know, how, how do we find our voice? We hear this all the time, find your voice. I would suggest that if people wanted to find their voice, they would do like you did, start talking and you'll find your voice. And people say like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to write. Or I'm not good enough at writing if we're focusing on writing. And oftentimes, you know, I'll ask, oh, show me all your bad writing. If, if it's not good enough, where is all your bad writing? And, and people can't do that because they're not writing. I think people too look at your newsletter and think that it just happened. But it's really great to hear someone say, well, this was years in the making. It didn't just happen. There was a lot of bad newsletters, a lot of bad writing, writing that no one ever read. And then from time to time, you make something remarkable, something that's worth reading, something that's worth sharing. And I think that's really important for people to understand that this is a practice of, of showing up for yourself in a way that you recognize and showing up for a, a group of people that you're trying to serve. Totally. Do you, do you play music, Daniel? Uh, no, no, I don't. It's very similar to practicing an instrument. I, I play guitar poorly, and I have since I was like 12 years old. I don't play it every day, but I'm happier every day that I do play it. And it's the same with my writing. But man, if you listen to me noodle around on the guitar, it's painful. Like it sucks to hear me like fiddle around. When you're learning something new, like a new song or a new technique, it sounds bad for a long time before it ever sounds good. And I think when I was writing, I was thinking of it like practicing an instrument. Like it doesn't matter that it sounds bad. I'm, I'm exercising a new muscle. Like I'm learning a new technique. I'm trying to land a joke. And the best in the world at writing, they are, they're really the best editors in the world. They put out a ton of content and then they trim it down to just the best stuff. And that happens with me too. If you look at my Substack, part of the reason that I can't publish monthly anymore is that I have 15 unpublished blog posts that just, when I read them, I don't enjoy them. So I'm not going to publish them. Like I've written them, but they're not, they don't stack up. Like I don't, it doesn't put a smile on my face to read them. And so I'm not going to publish that because that's just, it's, you know, some people will tell you personal brand is all about consistency. You know, you need to put out the podcast at the same hour of the same day, every single week to build an audience. Like maybe if that's your full-time gig, but if you're just doing it to, as, as like a creative outlet, what's more important is to do the work every day, every week. But what you actually share publicly is up to you. You're your own editor. So yeah, I would just say, take some pressure off yourself. And then the other thing is, you know, people say, publish work you're not proud of just to get in the habit of publishing work. I disagree with that too. Like, you know, I'm proud of everything I've written online. And uh, a lot of it is stuff that, like I said, no one's ever read, but I felt good about it at the time. And maybe, maybe I've become a stronger writer or, or formed a stronger opinion or point of view. Maybe I disagree with some of the stuff that I published previously. That happens to me too, but I'm still proud of the work. So yeah, like you, you said, someone is asking you for advice about how to get into podcasting or, or writing a newsletter or something, 
ask them for their unpublished work. And if they don't have any, then you say, I'm sorry, but like, unless you're a savant, you're several years away from having a newsletter. Like you just got to put in the work and it, it gets easier over time. Stuff just feels like it flows out of you and you're really in a rhythm. But uh, it's just, there's no secret to it. You just work at it. Yeah, we, we all talk about it being a muscle, you know, like, and so that sort of gives us an idea that this is some sort of physical activity. So when I think about riding a bike, for example, if I want to learn to ride a bike, I shouldn't go and watch a video on riding a bike or read a blog post about riding a bike. Just go and ride the bike. You will suck at the start and then you will gradually get better. And, and that's the way it is, right? I produce 30 or 40 podcasts. I, I can't remember how many and publish them on a channel that no one will ever find before I ever started on this one. Just to try and understand is, is this something I think that I can do consistently? Will it hold my interest? Do I think I can, I can do it in a way that, that I can be proud of? Like, do I think I can, can create something that, that I could be proud of? And you know, it, it didn't just happen. I am so nervous every time I get on a conversation with someone like you because you know, I, I feel like I'm on the hook. I, I promised that I would show up for my audience. I promised that I would be there for them every week. And, and now I have to deliver. And it's, it's nerve wracking sometimes, but I, I think this is, this is the side that no one ever sees, right? And this is what it takes, I think, to, to build a personal brand is to make these kind of uncomfortable promises about things that might not work and then keep the promise. Oh man, I love that, that you're, you're nervous every time before you hit record. That is the way to live your life, 100%. If you're not feeling the butterflies in your stomach on a regular basis, what are you doing? Like you're not taking any risk. And I love that. Like before I hit publish, you know, the newsletter, typos and everything, it goes out. Like you can't, there's no undo button on an email newsletter. You, you send it, which is why I like it more than the blog post, actually, because it's so committal. And before I hit send on that thing, oh man, I've had that same pit in my stomach. Like, is this the last one I ever do? Because people just say like, this is trash. You know, like I doubt, I doubt it every single time. And then I'm, su I'm surprised every single time if anybody reads it and responds to it. And it sounds stupid, like pathological, but I have that same exact feeling. That's like great career advice too. If you're not nervous, then you need to change things up because you're not pushing yourself hard. Like I am regularly terrified and I hope that that never stops for me. I'll just keep seeking out opportunities to be scared because that's when I'm growing. So I don't know. I, I, I love hearing that, man, I love hearing that you publish like 30 or 40 podcasts that nobody knows about. I just love that, man. Like that, I have so much respect for that. That takes such vision and confidence in yourself. And the fact that you're still scared when you do it every single time and hit record tells me that you're, you're in the right line of work, like you're doing the right work. So. That's, that's so cool to hear. Appreciate that. And thanks. You, you talked about being terrified there. I've often heard people talk about this as creating this tension. And I remember this great line. I, I can't remember who said it. I would like to be able to refer back to them. But it was something like, the absence of tension is, is not necessarily harmony. It might be apathy. And I definitely felt that in my last job, for example. Like I, I didn't feel fulfilled in it. There was that lack of, of tension, right? And for me, it wasn't harmony, it was apathy. And I think about this the same way when I, I do the podcast. I don't want to get to a stage where there's that lack of tension. I don't want apathy. What I want is that sort of the, almost like the stress of, will this work? That's what, that's what I'm looking for. I want to keep trying these little experiments and figure out how to make things better. 
but use that tension as almost like a guide. Can I feel the tension? Okay, I might be on the right path. Could you tell me what your personal brand, your, your email newsletter ha- has meant for your career? Yeah, I mean, it changed my career entirely. I'm not somebody with like a shockingly awesome resume. You know, I went to a college that most people have never heard of. I bounced around a little bit. I worked for a biotech firm straight out of school. So I wasn't even in like mapping. Basically begged for my first job in mapping. Like I met for lunch with Robert Cheatham at Azavia and just basically begged him to give me a job. (laughs) It's like, I will wipe the floors. I will come in and turn the lights on in the morning and turn them off in the evening. Like just give me a chance. And so he did. He hired me to run a failing business line, Open Tree Map. <laughs> it was a product that wasn't working. I thought, I'm going to turn this thing around and make it a wild success and prove my worth. And it spent like a year and a half just completely running it into the ground, <laughs> just failing completely and entirely at it. So, you know, my resume was not like, oh, wow, this guy, everything he touches turns to gold. It was more like, this guy, what has he really been doing for the last five years? <laughs> but so writing about what I learned from those experiences publicly, separately from my work life, just as my personal outlet, gave me a little bit of something to point to. And actually, my current position, they reached out to me. I didn't reach out to them. I didn't even know they existed. You know, it was this stealth mode, synthetic aperture radar startup. I don't know how I would have even found them. I mean, I would have learned about them eventually the same way everybody else does when they launched their satellite and did a big press release and started getting active on Twitter or whatever. But man, if you're in an industry where there's a ton of innovation happening and you want to be on the forefront of that innovation, it's kind of the same premise for venture capital. You need inbound. You need people coming to you. You're never, you can't Google for these companies. You can't network your way to them. They come out of left field. Like the really exciting ones are mostly exciting because they're coming from a completely different background with a completely different view of the industry. And so they're, they're literally like outsiders to their own industry. You're not going to find them. They're going to find you. So anything you can do to generate attention and generate positive attention, not just any attention, but attention that attracts like-minded people. They read my blog post about how broken the commercial satellite imagery industry was. Gabe Dominicello, the co-founder of of Umbra, sent me an email the same way I suggested to your listeners that reach out to me. He just responded to one of my newsletters, I think. We started talking. And then six months after that, they were like, we need somebody to lead product which product at Umbra is like the customer experience. And I'm like, I've been a customer of satellite imagery for a few years and it sucks. Like the chance to get to set the direction for a satellite imagery provider and just do right by the customer at every single turn, like solve my own problem. It, it was a complete luxury, a privilege to get to step into that role. And um, there's no way I would have found it if they hadn't reached out to me. So what is it meant for my career? Like it is my career. I don't know how to separate the two. Uh, my my nothing that has happened for me over the last 12 months would have happened had I not started writing publicly. So yeah, it's completely changed my life. And and beyond that, it's introduced me to people like you who are creative, who are productive, who are opinionated, but are also kind. And like, it gives me a sense of purpose in my life and and feeling of belonging to know that I'm in an industry where other people care and like are are curious and I'm learning constantly from people. So yeah, it's a, I don't think that would have happened to the degree it's happened had I not invested in having my own 
kind of personal point of view and my own platform to talk about that as pretentious as it sounds to say platform, because really I'm just tweeting and like writing a newsletter, but uh, it totally changed my life for the better. And uh, I can't recommend it enough, even on a smaller scale, way before, you know, thousands of people are reading the newsletter, dozens of people are reading it, but the right dozen people were reading it. You know, it was still generating fantastic conversations every week. So yeah, I can't recommend it enough. Just before you, you said like, even though I'm just tweeting, even though I'm just writing a newsletter, what do you think it is about your newsletter that, that made it stand out, that made it get the attention of, of the right people? What made it stand out was probably humor, frankly. That's the number one thing that people who respond to my newsletters respond to. When you sign up for my email newsletter, the subject line on the automated email you get verifying that you've signed up says, you've made a terrible mistake. And then the body of it says something like, you already get way too much email. Why on earth are you signing up for more, basically? And I, I probably get like, four or five emails a week from people just responding to that automated response <laughs> saying, this is hilarious, you know, which makes me feel good. But yeah, like, I think part of it is just, we're all so sick of being pitched stuff, being told how great somebody else's life is and how well things are going for somebody else. That when, when you get someone that's not trying to impress you, but just trying to have fun and make themselves laugh, it resonates. Like it, I don't know why, but I think people recognize that I'm not putting on a show. I'm just trying to have fun. And, um, and I think that's why it's been successful. And I see other people, you know, my, some of my friends like uh, Keith Masbeck on Twitter, who was the former director of the USGIF and worked at the NGA for many years. He just went on a, a YouTube channel. I think it was like Vox or Wired or one of these media companies, you know, he, he watched uh, movies scenes from movies where they're doing imagery analysis and then broke them down based on how realistic they were based on his career as a image analyst. And, you know, it's got like hundreds of thousands of views on YouTube and all these comments, like, this is amazing. This guy was great. And it's like, it's because he's not trying to be, he's not, he's just being himself. Like he's just being honest and educating people. And it's not like he's trying to be funny, but he's just being Keith. It resonates with people. And, you know, I just see that over and over again, where people willing to take a little bit of risk and not be super polished, but be super honest. There's a tremendous appetite for that type of personality if you can teach people something at the same time. So that, that would be why I think it probably resonates is that I'm trying to teach people something in a way that makes, makes it satisfying for me as an author to write something that I enjoy reading on often like an incredibly dry topic, you know, like what I'm writing about is not super interesting on its own. So you got to spice it up. A lot of times when I talk to people like you, I try and round off the conversation and give back to the listener, right? I'm trying to ask the questions that the listener might want to know the answers to. And I find myself asking about skills a lot of the time, like what, what kind of skills should I be investing in? What does the future of this look like? And But what I never ask about is the, the perhaps the other problem that people have is the obscurity problem. So oftentimes I think part of our problem might be that we don't have the skills to solve the problem, but I think a big part of our problem is definitely obscurity. No one knows that we can solve their problem. Do you think having that voice is helping to solve your obscurity problem? <laughs> I mean, I'm still extremely obscure. <laughs> I, I hate to break it to you. <laughs> But yeah, I guess to a degree, I, I, who, 
I mean, who, who am I? I, you know, like I, before I was writing the newsletter, I was really nobody special. Nobody knew about me. Once I was writing the newsletter, a slightly smaller niche of people really cared about what I was writing about. So I guess for them, I'm less obscure, but in general, like obscurity is okay. As long as you have a little niche that you're focused on. I think the beauty of the internet is that these niches can wind up being way bigger than anybody expected them to be. (laughs) So like a, a newsletter about the modern business and strategy of mapping. I think that's the tagline. Like, what is that? Who cares about that? It turns out like thousands of people care about that. And we're in the early innings and I'm not even really focused on it. Like, it's just something I do as a release. If I were full-time focused on it, that's what I would be doing every day, would be tweeting about it, tweeting ideas. This is just something I'm doing in my spare time. Like somebody could make a full-time go of this. I'm not interested in that. Like I got stuff to get done on the satellite side. We got an industry to build here. Yeah, I, I think the internet has just enabled this thing where it's community by community. It's not keyword by keyword. It's not like people are Googling for this. They stumble into a community that winds up being super hospitable and educational and helpful then they realize like some of the names in that community, like Keith Massback and me and you and Sean Gorman. And, and then you realize like the CEOs of all these companies are on Twitter and they have like 20 followers and you can just talk to them. It's really strange. So uh, yeah, I, I think the obscurity problem, it's obscurity compared to what, you know, like I'm totally obscure compared to a, an actually famous person. But if you stumble into this community, you're going to find your way to me because it's so closely knit. And your reputation matters so much. And for the most part, I think I've been nice to people. If you're not nice to people, you're going to get rejected like, a, like an organ in the body. You're going to get chewed up and spat out if you're not kind to people. So that's another positive thing is like, you know, it has a self-cleaning function, this little community that we're into. The people that are, that are nasty don't tend to have much attention because people just ignore them, mute them. So, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. No, it, it does. It does. It really does. Thanks. So we're, we're talking about attention. We're talking about obscurity and, and personal branding here. I think a lot of the mistake people make is that assuming that the internet is a, a mass media, when in actual fact, like what you were alluding to, it's a bunch of, of communities. It's a billion different whispers. And I think the magical thing about the internet is you can find the others. You can find the people that are interested in building businesses around SAR data. It sounds really obscure, but you can find those people. And when you find the people, be a person of value, right? Like show up in a meaningful way, have an opinion. And I think this is something that is, is totally overlooked in, yeah, in our industry anyway, in the geospatial industry in general. And I think this is a real opportunity to, to build that brand, to have a voice, to help make things better and to share things, like do work in public. And I, I, this is, I have learned so much from, from the generosity of people that have been doing work in public and sharing their work in public. And I would strongly encourage anyone out there who has the opportunity to, to do a similar thing as what you've done to, to please do it, because we, we need those voices out there. Would you like to add anything to that before we round off this conversation about personal branding? No, I would just echo what you just said. There's plenty of room. Like you, you walk into a community online and it has its own little inside jokes and it's got its own vernacular and its own personalities and it can be kind of intimidating at first. And the instinct is always to look at it and say, this is like a thing and I'm an outsider and it's everything set in stone. And like, I'm, I'm late to the party. Don't feel that way. Like there's so much room for more people to have more interesting 
personalities and, and opinions and carve out their little area for themselves within the broader community. We need more folks that are willing to go on the record. And like the, the key is you have to be willing to make a prediction, make a statement, take a point of view and be wrong. And then just be like, oh, I was wrong about that. But you have to have a point of view or else there's no conversation. It's just a bunch of people agreeing with each other. That's super, super boring. So find ways to look at the data, form your own opinion, state it. And then when people disagree, be polite about it and try to learn why they disagree with you. That's that's the whole secret is just like it's having conversations, polite disagreements online. If anything, I think I err too much on the side of just agreeing with everybody. And it's funny because like, like, for instance, when I meet people who are familiar with me through Twitter or, or read my newsletter, they often say like, oh, I think it's, you know, your, your writing is so controversial. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, my writing is so benign. Are you kidding me? Like, you think that's what controversial looks like? But, it, you know, it's just such a pleasant little world industry that we live in that people aren't accustomed to even just taking a point of view, not even in a way that is confrontational. That is often viewed as controversial, not in a bad way, but it's just like there's so much room for people to actually come into this space and shake things up and cause conversation. And so, yeah, I, I would just say, like, the more the merrier. Totally agree. And that really resonated with me, the idea of being on the hook, having a point of view. I think that's super important. Obviously, be open to change if, you know, you're proven wrong. I, I think that's also really, really important. But just that fact of committing to something, right? Like, I think it's this way. Who's with me? Or, or why, why do you think it's that other way? I think that being on the hook for something, having an opinion, being open to conversation around it is like, that, that's, that's really, really important. Joe, thanks again for, for taking the time to talk with me. I, I really appreciate it. I've been looking for someone to, to have this kind of conversation with for some time now around personal branding. So I appreciate that you volunteered your time to, to do this with me. Where can the listeners go if they want to reach out to you, get a hold of you? What, what should they do? Where can they go to do that? I think find me on Twitter is the best way to find me. Mouth of Morrison. If you follow the Mapscaping podcast already on Twitter, well, if you don't, first go to Twitter and follow the Mapscaping podcast, because that's where you're going to see all the coolest upcoming news about this podcast. That's a great way to find me and also be a little bit more engaged with the community of this podcast. If you're listening to it, you're part of that community and there's room to participate. So that's how I would get in touch with me is Twitter. That's the easiest way. And that's real time. Like as soon as you, you're, you're in the middle of listening to this podcast, you can pull out your phone right now and tweet at me and I will probably tweet back. So if you want to get a hold of me, I'm accessible. Thanks, Joe. I'll, I'll put a link to your Twitter handle in the, in the show notes so people can easily find you. Thanks again for the conversation. You are a rock star. Cheers. Thank you so much for having me. This was a ton of fun. Thank you very much, Regrid, for helping make this podcast episode possible. If you're in the market for parcel data for the US, check out regrid.com. They collect, clean, and stitch together property boundaries into a seamless data fabric for the entire US. So if you are interested in understanding how US land is subdivided, owned, used, and inhabited, regrid.com is the place to go. There's a couple different ways of getting at the data. They have an API. They have a self-serve data store. They have vector and raster data tiles. And very soon they will be able to provide you with building footprint polygons matched to parcel boundaries for the entire US. So regrid.com, thank you very much for your support. So I really hope you enjoyed that episode with Joe Morrison. And no, this is not turning into the Joe Morrison podcast. It's just I'd been looking for a guest to talk about 
personal branding, to talk about the idea of finding your voice, building an audience, someone who's doing work in public. And, and Joe was a really great fit for that. So I'm grateful that he took the time to sort of to share his journey with us. If you want to catch up with Joe, go along to Twitter, look for Mouth of Morrison. I'll put a link to that in the show notes and check out his email. It is, it's well worth reading. It's thoughtful. It's insightful. It's, it's what an email newsletter should be, at least in my opinion. Again, th- there'll be links to those two places in the show notes. So this was Joe's story, but it might also be your story. It might be a story about doing work that you're proud of and having a purpose, about finding your voice and being generous enough to try things that might not work. So I just want to riff on that idea for a second, because if we don't have a voice, we're not heard. If we're not heard, we're not being seen. And that feeling of being overlooked, neglected, that people don't see us, I think that's a recipe for disaster. But this doesn't help us. How do we find our voice? Well, Joe did it by doing a lot of writing. What if you're not a writer? What, what if you don't want to create content? What if you don't want to be a podcaster? How do you find your voice? So I've thought a lot about this and I, I think I've come up with a recipe that, that I'd like to share with you. So the recipe starts with making a decision. And the decision is, am I going to show up and take something? Or am I going to show up and give something? And for me, this is a really important decision because if we decide that we're going to show up and give something, we can start to see our contributions as an act of generosity. How can we contribute? Well, maybe we could contribute by asking a question. Maybe we can contribute by sharing our thoughts and our ideas. Maybe we can contribute by amplifying somebody else's message, by standing for something, by being an advocate for the work that we are doing or perhaps the work that others are doing, for the things that we agree with, for the things that we want to see more of. Maybe instead of trying to find your voice, perhaps we should focus on chaining together these generous acts Maybe as we start to more deeply understand the communities that we are participating in, perhaps we can increase the size or even the scale of our contributions. Perhaps we make a habit out of contributing. I'm a firm believer that we are our habits, we are our routines. If we create a routine around contribution, around showing up in a certain way for a certain group of people, well, that might just be a recipe to find your voice. And I think this idea of showing up for a certain group of people is really really important. So during the conversation, Joe talked about the right kind of people. He said, but, you know, there was only 12 people reading my newsletter at the start, but they were the right people. He wasn't talking about people that are sexually or politically or racially orientated in a, a certain way. So, so what was he talking about? The right people. Who are the right people? The right people are people that care. So Joe wasn't writing a newsletter for everybody in the world. He was writing the newsletter for someone. And the wonderful thing about doing work for people that care, making something for a specific group of people, is that if they like it, they will tell the others. They will tell the others, they will share your work and your brand will grow and your voice will be heard. Okay, I I have a lot of thoughts around branding and marketing. Most of it revolves around making a promise and keeping it and doing work for a very specific group of people. But perhaps this is a podcast episode for another, another time. So that's it from me. That's it for another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in again this week. It's much appreciated. As always, you're more than welcome to reach out to me. You can find me on social media. You can find me at Twitter at at Mapscaping or search for Mapscaping Podcast and and LinkedIn. I'm reasonably active on those two channels. You're also more than welcome to email me. Just send an email to info at mapscaping.com and I will reply. I'll see you again next week. Bye.